The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Well, happy Mother's Day indeed, and I want to say a special thank you to the ladies today who are loaning us your husbands and your fathers and your sons uh, so we can make this possible today. really appreciate that, and uh, we'll try to get them home to you just as quickly as we can here uh, on this day. I was in the uh, store this week, and uh, I got to say, I got to confess something. I was at the card rack looking for a Mother's Day card this week, and uh, I was not practicing social distancing. That uh, card rack was just so crowded. I did have my mask on, but there were people all over the place uh, trying to find just that perfect Mother's Day card. I, I don't know that I found it this year. I, you know, you kind of like to get the one that looks just right and says the right thing. This year, I really like what it says, but I wasn't crazy about the picture. I did see one card, though, that uh, caught my attention. Um, it, it started with the words, may your heart be full. On this Mother's Day, may your heart be full. I got thinking about that because it fit perfect with our sermon today, what we're going to look at. Um, there are, th that's a quest that a lot of people have, that their heart would be full. And there are several stories in the Bible of folks who are looking to have their heart full. We're going to look at actually two ladies today. That, that is their desire, that their heart would be full. Uh, I went back to the book of 1 Samuel and started to look at the story of a lady by the name of Hannah. One of the most famous uh, mothers, I think probably the most famous one in the Old Testament. In fact, we have, uh, when we do a, a parent-child dedication around here, which we were hoping to have today, that didn't quite work out, but we do something called the Hannah Covenant, which is because Hannah was the lady that gave her child back to the Lord, said, Lord, thank you, you have given me a child, I'm going to dedicate him back to you. So we kind of use what we call the Hannah Covenant as a way for parents to follow her example to do the same thing. Like I said, she's kind of one of the all-stars of, uh, of the Old Testament. Uh, it has a great name. You can spell it backwards. Uh, but uh, but w what we're going to look at today is actually the prequel to the story of Hannah and uh, where she gives uh, her son Samuel back to the Lord. So we're going we're gonna to take a little look at the prequel as we look at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1. And uh, we're going to read the first eight verses together. So... Here we go. There was a certain man of Ramatham Zophim, pretty good, huh? Of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. Now, I want to warn you ahead of time, the correct pronunciation of his name, I believe, is Elkanah. But I have always called him Elkanah because I thought it was really cool that it rhymed with Hannah. You have Hannah and Elkanah. So I might go back and forth, and you'll know who I'm talking about here. But he is the son of Jehoram, son of Elihu, who is the son of Tohu, who is the son of Zuth, who was an uh, Epaphrite. How'd I do with that? I, I think I skipped a, a, a letter in there. Anyway, he had two wives, and the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And on in verse number three, now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, by the way, bad guys of the Bible, uh, they were priests of the Lord. And on that day, when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. 
And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went by year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, uh, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And now Hannah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more than ten sons? Now, the story uh, pretty much tells itself, but we could just review for a second here. Uh, this man has two wives. First of all, I should say the Bible never condones that. Perhaps this just is another example of how God uses imperfect, flawed people. Uh, but he has two wives. Right away, we're not in a great situation there, but let's, let's go on. We have one who is heartbroken because she cannot have children. And then we have another who uh, has the children, but she's ticked because he likes her better than her. You get the whole picture. It's not great. And she's, every chance she's getting, she's rubbing salt into the wound. Every chance she's, she's saying, uh, Hannah, you know, she's, she's mocking her because she cannot have children. Not really the greatest of pictures here unless you're trying to paint the picture of a dysfunctional family, uh, which is what we have, have going on here. But as we look at this story, I want to focus on and maybe get us to relate to a little bit the two different main characters in here, the husband Elkanah and the wife Hannah. And first of all, as we talk about the husband, let's call him the frustrated fixer. Okay, now all of us are somewhat where we like to fix a problem, some more than others. I mean, there are some people who live to do that and they can't help themselves. You kind of hate to mention anything around them because you know they're going to have a five-point plan to get it corrected, get it straightened out. They are, they are a fixer. They are always trying to solve something. And some people have that big time. Now, in this story, what I want to kind of illustrate to you is this. If the fixer is taking and he is trying to fill up, we talked about getting that heart if he is trying to fill up this person and uh, he continues to pour into this person and uh, he continues to do that but uh, but there's a little problem here as you can see uh, the more that he pours in uh, the more that continues to pour out because what happens sometimes is we are trying to fill up somebody that in and of themselves or they themselves are a broken or a flawed vessel and I think as we uh, start this story, and, and we talk about this guy that is a frustrated fixer, there are several different things that we need to remind him, and one of the main things is this. <laughs> hey, buddy, it is not always about you, okay? Think about Elkanah here. He looks at his wife, and, she, and, he, and he says to her, hey, why are you sad? I'm bringing you extra meat. I'm, 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 I'm really trying to spoil you. I'm trying to make you happy, and hey, you got me. Am I not enough? My wife and I, uh, we went to a college, and we'll just say it like this. If we were picking a college again, we would not pick this college. Uh, we did not encourage our children to go to this college, but we have always said we're thankful for how God used this college in our lives, and mostly, and, and she will agree with me, you cannot see her, but she's shaking her head, and she's agreeing with me right now because you never believe me until you see her shake her head. But we'll both say, hey, uh, we are thankful that we met each other there. Okay, and you know, that's kind of, you know, hey, we, we might not have done it again, but we're still thankful the Lord sent us there because we came away with each other. We were out with another couple one time, and we were discussing they had gone to the same college, and we said that statement, and we said, well, at least we're thankful for, we met each other there, and the lady said, it's not worth it. <laughs> the poor guy, he's like, kind of want to 
pick him up as he slides underneath the table. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is Elkanah. He said, hey, wait a minute, honey. Honey, you know, you got me. You got me. You know, am I not enough? And, and he begins to take it, I guess you could say, personally. He takes it as a verdict that says that he is a failure as a husband. And many times that's exactly what we do in life when we're pouring into somebody and, uh, and they're not full. We know they're not happy. And this is, for him, this is the person he loves most in the world. So this is heartbreaking to him. Uh, and as he's pouring in and it, begin, and it keeps running out, he's thinking, yeah, you know, what else can I do? I'm trying, I'm doing everything. And he's feeling like a failure. And many times us fixers or the fixer feel, feels like that. I'm a failure as a son. I'm a failure as a daughter. I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a failure as a wife. I'm a failure as a boss. I'm a failure as a, I'm a, failure as a pastor uh, because I can't get this person to the place where they're not sad anymore, where they're not empty anymore. I just can't do it. And how important it is that we remember this illustration. Oftentimes we are pouring in. We are not the problem. The problem is that the vessel into which we are pouring is actually broken. So that leads us to the next thing we want to tell the fixer. And that is sometimes, and this is hard to hear, but sometimes it is best to simply listen, love, and support. You cannot, listen, you cannot fill that which is broken. And what ends up happening is what would happen on here, if I didn't have this little bowl to catch the water, what would happen there uh, is I'd have a first-class mess on my hands. And many times that's exactly what happens. And the reason why there's dysfunction in relationships is because we are trying desperately to fill that which is broken. And it is, it is not going to work. You know, um, I have to go against the uh, theology of Tom Cruise and uh, Renee Zellwinger here for a second now. Um, I actually haven't seen this movie, but I know the movie Jerry Maguire has uh, several quotes that people remember. Uh, uh, you, you had me at hello, and show me the money, of course, is the most famous one. Uh, but then there's also, uh, you complete me. Okay, Now, that, that is a great line, but the truth of the matter is, two broken people do not add up to a whole person. Okay, two broken people are not. Now, it, it sounds good. It makes for a great Valentine's Day card. You complete me. It's a great line in a movie. But the truth of the matter is two broken people is only going to lead to dysfunction. If we can get into our heads, only God can fix that which is broken. Okay, uh, only God. So sometimes what I need to do is just be normal. Sometimes what I need to do is just listen and just be there to love and support. Uh, that's frustrating. That's hard. I want to do more. But putting two people that are broken together, we have the idea that that will make it complete. And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't work like that. Only God can make people truly complete. So uh, let's look at one more piece of advice there. And just remember this. God wants his job back. Okay, um, I've mentioned this before. My, my friends and I have been mar married for 37 years. I feel like, you know, we're, we're happily married, if you want to say it like that. But one thing that we have never mastered in 37 years is working together. We just, on work projects, we have just learned that there's her way and the right, um, I mean, there's two different ways to do things. And she always has said, I mean, the littlest things sometimes. I mean, she takes care of the meals. If occasionally I'm taking care of the meal, then it's time for her to get out of the kitchen. Uh, and we stay out of each other's way when it comes to little, little projects. We don't always work well together. It's, it's kind of like you're doing this wrong. This is, you know, this is, just let me do my job. And I want to say to the fixtures, I think a lot of times that is exactly what God is saying to 
us. Or saying to that person who feels like they have to try to solve every problem and they're taking the weight on themselves, uh, feeling like somehow they're a failure. I think we, ne we need to hear the voice of God as he says, this is my job. <laughs> I want my job back. I am the only one that can truly fix. Okay, so we talk about the frustrated fixer. The other character we want to talk about is Hannah. We'll call her Hannah the empty-hearted. I had that first, uh, the empty-hearted Hannah, but some of you might remember an old song, Hard-Hearted Hannah. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I, I didn't want you to picture that, so I won't even mention what I just did. Um, but I want you to think about the whole idea of uh, her role in this thing, how, how things went, and give her a little bit of advice. The first piece of advice that we need to offer her is this. There's an endless cycle of if-onlys. When the Apostle Paul wrote about contentment in Philippians chapter 4, uh, he really tells us that contentment has nothing to do with our circumstances. And being full is not a matter of changing the circumstances of life or having them changed. It is not the case, that the, it is not the case of, hey, if only this happens or if only this happens, then I will be full. And the story here is a perfect illustration of it because think about that as far as kids go. For many people, the idea is I would be full if only I had children. And then I would be full and I would be happy once we get these kids out of diapers. Get rid of that bill because then everything is pretty much free with kids, right? Once you get rid of that diaper bill every week. Or maybe once we get where uh, I no longer have to chauffeur them around everywhere and they can drive, then it'll be easy, right, once your kids start driving. Or maybe once I get them through college, if only I could get them through college, then I'm on easy street. And then if only I can get them to move out of the house, and then if only I could get them to come back and visit occasionally, and then if only I could get them on a career path, and then if only they wouldn't spend so much time in their career that they forget the things that are important. Uh, if we get into this cycle of thinking that there is a situation that if only I had this, if only you would provide this in my life, then I would be complete, we're in an endless cycle. Same thing can be true of a job. You know, if I just had that job, and then you find out after a little while that it wasn't as great as you thought it would be. If I only had this level of education, you know, then uh, maybe that'd be the case. If I only had this house, if I only ha even had this relationship, this person in my life, and we think that somehow these things are going to satisfy. But let's remember our story here again. Let's remember that uh, what happens. Here, here we go. If only I had this. If only I had this. But we get this. It comes into my life. And there we go again. There we go again. It's just not going to happen there because the problem is not in our circumstances. The problem is still in my own brokenness. Okay? So if we could get a hold of that picture, we have a better picture coming yet. But let's hold on to that one for a second. And also let us realize the second thing we want to tell Hannah, and that is this. More of the same won't fulfill. More meat. More meat. Okay? Uh, I always laugh. Um, We've been in, you know, trying a couple times a week to, to eat out or carry out. And uh, so my wife gets one pick a week, and I get one pick a week. And uh, many times uh, when I'll say to my wife, what do you want? Here, here's, she likes me to give her three choices. Okay, I don't know why that is. Can't just pick anything. I have to give three choices. Uh, but she'll say, the only thing is, she says, I want meat. <laughs> I, that always cracks me up. But we were in a restaurant one time, and she ordered the, you know, the rack of ribs or whatever like that, and I ordered a salad. I remember the waiter was looking at us like, uh, who's the man? I don't even know. Uh, but uh, my, my wife likes meat. But still, more meat, more meat. Uh, uh, Hannah's like, uh, 
I think I'm going to become a vegetarian. I don't want any more meat. The same thing over and over again in my life, the same thing that didn't satisfy me before, it's not going to help if I add more into my life. And there are some things that are good, there are some things that are bad, there are some things that are kind of neutral that we try to fill up our lives with, and we need to understand that just adding more, just putting more of the same thing is not going to fill us. And maybe we're going to add more, I mean, something like drugs, you know, it's not satisfying, so I need more. Yeah, that works out real well. Um, You know, pornography. That's not satisfying, so I'm going to add more. Yeah, that's, that's going to help. That's really going to work out well. But even some other things, alcohol, you know, a little bit. Well, I, I just, I'm going to need more. It cracked me up. I don't know if you've seen the uh, cartoon of the bees that are preparing for the attack of the murder hornets. There's three bees flying back to their hive. One of them has toilet paper, one of them has hand sanitizer, and the other has alcohol. Uh, they're ready for it there. But if some alcohol did not solve the problem, if some shopping does not solve the problem. More is not. The more I buy, that's not going to fill me up. Money. The more I buy, it's not going to fill me up. But we keep getting this idea that, hey, more, more. If I just have more of that exact same thing, it'll fill me up. And the last thing I want to make sure that we say to Hannah is this. When you live like this, you're going to leave other people empty. Here's a, not only does Hannah remain empty, but those who have tried to pour into her life they're empty also. And that's exactly uh, what we find so many times in life. We become then, I don't know how to say this, life suckers. <laughs> we suck the life out of people who try to help us. There are those in people's lives who are life givers, and there are those who just suck the life out of the people around them. And if we have that emptiness and we keep looking for somebody else to pour into our life, that's exactly what we are going to become. We are going to become that life sucker. Think about this. Uh, I do have quite frankly, uh, I have some self-esteem issues sometimes. I've told you this before. My wife, her job every week on the way home from church is to tell me what a good sermon it was. Sometimes she really has to lie, but she has to tell me that every week or or she's going to have a rough day the rest of the week. But think about this. If I am relying upon her, if I am leaning into her and counting on her to be my source of self-esteem and my sense of worth, You see what's happening there? That's not the way it's supposed to be. My sense of worth and my sense of self-esteem come from the God who created me, the God who died for me, the God who lives for me and lives in me. And if I am counting on her to do God's job and taste God's place, I'm not only going to remain empty, but I'm going to also suck the very life out of her. And so often we do that. We are not meant to be filled by other people and what they do. We are meant to be filled and satisfied by God. And if we go this route, we will end up disappointed and we will end up disappointing uh, when we head down this path. Now, the cool thing that I want to point to, I couldn't wait to get to this. I kind of wanted to rush through the rest of this sermon because I want to meet another lady that also was looking for fulfillment. And and we got to jump ahead about a thousand years into the New Testament, into the book of John and chapter 4. And I want to read read another story for you here. Uh, We just simply call this lady the woman at the well. But it says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me to drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink, a woman of Samaria? I want to just say for a second here, this is so awesome. It's not the sermon of today, but it has to be said. Jesus is such a, a barrier breaker. 
He, he just steps through, breaks down the barriers. And just in talking to this woman, he's breaking down the barrier of race. Uh, she's a Samaritan that the Jews wouldn't have anything to do with. He's breaking down a societal barrier. barrier. Uh, this lady is at the well at noon because that's when other people wouldn't be there. And she lived in disgrace and shame because of the way that she lived in adultery. Uh, but Jesus breaks down that barrier and steps over to her also. And then even the gender barrier for women at this time, of course, had a very lowly place. But Jesus broke through that in the way that he treated and loved and respected women. Just an awesome thing just to think about there. But let's go on. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where, do you, where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? She's still disrespectful. She's burning him with that whole line there. That was kind of a burn the Samaritans would get into the Jews. And he gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Look what Jesus says. Everyone who drinks of the water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up. One translation says bubbling over into eternal life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. New picture. Okay. Here's what happens. Something totally different now. When a life is placed in Jesus Christ. When somebody takes their life and, and says, Jesus, I trust you as Savior. And we'll get back to that in a second here. And then, uh, then we begin to pour into that life again. And you'll notice we have a little different situation there. But uh, we continue to pour. And we continue to pour. And we continue to pour. And we continue to pour. Whoa, wait a minute. And we continue to pour. And we... I'm sorry, I get excited about this. I'm kind of weird, but I do. I just get excited because I think about this whole idea of having a life that is bubbling over. Uh, when we used to work with kids when I was younger, we had a little song that we would teach them. I don't know if anybody's ever heard this or not, but we, we sang it. We sang, Jesus' love just bubbles me over. Did you ever hear that one? Jesus' love just bubbles me over. Jesus' love just bubbles me over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. But if you could kind of picture that idea, if we can see that this uh, relationship now, instead of being a life-sucking thing, this is overflowing, this life that Christ pours into me and my life is in Him, and now instead of sucking the life out of other people, I am overflowing and I'm giving life and I'm sharing life with other people. Isn't that an awesome idea? I mean, isn't that something that kind of you think about, boy, that's what I want to be. And this woman most definitely was empty. Uh, she had uh, tried to find, uh, filled, you know, with this relationship and this relationship and this relationship and this relationship. I think I have the count right. And she was in another relationship, but she had never met a man like this. She had never met the God man. And when she meets him, there is now a, a filling and not only a filling, but a bubbling over. And that's why I'll say around here so often that the greatest thing that we can do for the other people in our lives is to have that relationship ourselves with Jesus Christ. Because then we have that bubbling over that pours over into the life of our children and our parents and our spouse and our fellow workers because of that water that satisfies completely and fills completely and bubbles over in other people's lives. Back, uh, back again in the good old days. <laughs> Actually, they weren't that great. Uh, but back in the 70s, it always cracks me up how much when things change, um, 
you know, we kind of forget the way things used to be. I, I just, you know, there's always been a criticism of, you know, the new music. You know, it's new music. Um, back when I was a kid, uh, the new music was the Get Bill Gaither uh, vocal band. They, were some, they did some wild stuff. There was another group, I'm going to bet, you know, two people listening may have heard of, but there was a group back in the 70s called the Lanny Wolf Trio. I bet a lot of you have heard of this song, though. Lanny Wolf was pretty funky back then. He could get down with his bad self, uh, he and the other two people with him. But uh, you've heard this song. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can take your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, real love and joy in heaven, too, for only Jesus can satisfy your soul. That is really the message of today. We keep pouring in to the brokenhearted. We keep pouring into the, the cracked vessels. And Jesus is the only one that can heal that life. And when we turn to him in repentance, when we begin to not only accept his work in our life, but we begin to follow his ways and, uh, and after him, this life that we have becomes this source of the spring-like bubbling over in our lives. This woman discovered this truth. If you read on in, in John chapter 4, you'll find that she went about testifying that she had met the Savior. Boy, don't, don't miss the whole significance of that word Savior because that means, first of all, that she needed to be saved. There was a problem. And a problem that only Jesus could could fix because that problem is sin and there is nothing in the makeup of mankind that we we are meant to deal with sin only through God's son coming to earth to pay that price for our sin can that sin be dealt with only through him can we be made right can we be made whole can we be filled up and can then we can be bubbling over I pray so much that we'll get a hold of this today. Isn't this great relationship principle God's Word has for us? I mean, think about that. I mean, in how many just marriages, you know, sometimes there's the, the one trying to fix everything and the other's just like, no, I can't take that right now. I just want you to listen. And we need to understand we can't take that responsibility on ourselves. We're not the fixer of everything, but indeed He is. And I just love it. I mean, I just love uh, seeing that picture. I love when that cup starts bubbling over. I wish I could, you know what my wife got for Mother's Day? Uh, I'm sorry, you know what is ordered for my wife's Mother's Day that hasn't come yet? It's a solar fountain. I wanted to bring that in there and put that in the bowl and show it bubbling up really, really cool like that because that's exactly the type of life that God wants to give us. It is bubbling over and reaching into the lives of our loved ones, the lives of the lives of our co-workers. Isn't that, isn't that an awesome thing to think about? Would you pray with me just that God would take these thoughts here today and change us? Father, first of all, oh God, sorry God, my, my tone is almost like I'm preaching to you. I, wanna, I need to stop. Um, God, first of all, what I, what I want to ask is just that if there is somebody that has not experienced that filling, that being made whole by you, Father, would you draw them to yourself? Would you show them that just like this woman, that the well, they need you. They need a Savior. They need forgiveness. They need you in their lives. And Father, would you teach us um, these truths? And would you make it so that our lives are bubbling over? Even this day, may we bring life to those that we come in contact with. May, we, may you stop this process of sucking the life out of each other in the, the way that we sometimes suck the life out of other people. Would you take us, Father, and would you make us into springs of living water as you, know, as you did with this woman here? And Father, I, I want to pause too. I know a couple families right now just in our, in our church family that have 
uh, incredible burdens that they're going through right now. And uh, Lord, I just want to lift them up to uh, knowing that uh, today's, uh, today's a rough day and, and they're facing that. And Lord, I pray that for all of us, we would just continue to lean on our source of strength and our source of life. Help us to lean into you this day, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.